Welcome back to the ACMS podcast. I am Josh, your host. Today's guest is Hillary Hansen. We had her on last week, and this is part two of last week's podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Make sure you guys join ACMS. It is a great society to be part of here on campus, especially one of the best departments here on campus or probably in the world. Also, make sure you guys are following Sister Macbeth's job listing letter that she sends out every single week. Okay, and you guys are following us on Instagram and keeping up with all the current things are in our department. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast and make sure that you guys are, you know, not falling behind on your homework. So have fun. So I have a question on behalf when you guys, the structure of your teams like Leonardo, yeah. the home builders and your land team. I mm-hmm. imagine here at school, you know, how we work in projects to build some of the team projects and some of the competitions that we do and all the Reno. And uh-huh. what are the, some of the core values or core principles that you guys look into, like, I guess, in teams, partners in your teams that you guys are able to be relatable and to be uh, able to work with them? Yeah. Um. So you're saying, what do I find is like most important? in working with a team or yeah, how, exactly. do we do, how do we do things? Yeah. How do you guys do things and how, what do you guys find more important? Okay, sure. Yeah. Communication obviously is, is huge. Um, I work with all men. <laughs> so I, I would say my affinity for communication is probably a bit stronger than theirs, but I think that that is something that makes things just go seamlessly, right? Passing off one tap, you know, you, it starts with one person and then it needs to go to the next. Um, I think sometimes, uh, at least, you know, in my experience, you can just assume someone already knows something, but they don't. Um, maybe they weren't CC'd on that email or they didn't get that attachment, you know, all these kinds of things. So I think communication and in terms of principles for teamwork, uh, that is the biggest one for me. And I even err on the side of like, even if I think they may already know that I'll still ask them or share that information anyway. You know, I feel like you can never be too on top of it. Right. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. But then in terms of what you were saying with these team projects you're speaking of and how that might relate to our land team, I think the roles, kind of how my managers will get sent the deal. I do the analysis on the deal and I do work alongside with the managers to do the financial side. So they will have the huge uh, spreadsheets that really dig into the weeds of what is the cost to build the certain product we're looking at and how long is it going to take, you know, to sell 60, you know, there's just a lot of the numbers, right? And in the middle of us doing that analysis, we're also working with the land development team. And like I told you before, they're the ones that work with the city. We find out what is the city requiring of us here? You know, what kind of impact fees are we paying? What kind of application fees are we paying? You know, do we need to do, you and I talked about this before, due diligence, right? On Mm -hmm. the site or did the seller already do, you know, enough due diligence before trying to sell us this piece of land? So land development team is really crucial in that aspect. Once all of that's figured out and we figure out it's a good project, it pencils, will make money Um, because Lennar is a corporation. We do have to present this to corporate. and so. I would say about two weeks before our due diligence deadline ends with the seller. So we're already under contract. We've already done all of our due diligence. Now we have to present it to corporate. They typically will have a few notes. We clean that up and then the due diligence period ends and then we buy it and so on and so forth. So that's kind of the realm of what I see in my team is basically taking a piece of land, doing the analysis, doing the development or if it's needed 
due diligence and then getting it approved. And once it's approved, we hand it off to construction and then I don't really do anything anymore after that. So on to the, on to the next piece of land. Exactly. Yes. And then it kind of starts over. Right. So, and, and yeah. of course we're not just doing analysis on one project at a time. Right. Because oftentimes, you know, we bid and we lose, right. Like we lose to another home builder. And so you, you have to keep searching cause you're not going to get everything. So we're, we're, I'm doing analysis on probably, I don't know, I'd say at least one plot a week, roughly. So it, wow. yeah, keeps me busy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds honestly, it's, I don't know, like for, you know how there's so much of a shortage of housing. Yeah. Like, I like, I like recognize how important your job is now even more. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I didn't, but now I like, I see like so much importance in your job even a lot more than like yeah. I did before, because you have to like see how many homes are going to fit in that plot of land. And then right. you get to see like how many families are going to live there and how much revenue are going to bring into that community, the yep. taxes and all that stuff. It's just amazing to see all that. Yeah, and, it is. Yeah. It's really cool to see that. That's my favorite part of the job, right? Is like, how, how is what we're going to build going to impact that community or that city specifically? And, and I like my job. I do struggle, I think, with production home building sometimes because, you know, a lot of these master plan communities, you're right, we need houses. Houses are really important. I do, you know, my grad school education kind of weighs on me a little bit in terms of, you know, there's also maybe possible harmful effects of suburban sprawl, you know, if these communities get too big, right? And And there's not a walkability factor or all these kinds of things. So I, it's kind of a, but that I think is what makes my job cool because I can offer that insight. Like, Hey, maybe we need to break this up a little bit more. Maybe we don't actually need, you know, like you said earlier, add some commercial here, right? Like, do we really need a ton of houses in this one block? You know, you get to be creative a little bit, which, which I think is really important. So, yeah, it's amazing. Like uh, I was just taught, I mean, last podcast I had recorded for before the break, which Lisa Davis, she works for McCartney and she's a virtual design coordinator or virtual design engineer. And she was explaining to me like how, like sometimes a lot of people don't focus what's behind the wall, like the plumbing, electricity. Oh, right. Like I kind of, like just thinking about it, what you just said, like what's under like not so much under the ground but what would be on that land in that instance right like, you know, just picturing it like being optimistic because that's what you see a lot of developers that are really optimistic of like projects and all that stuff that's going right. to be happening in cer- certain communities and right. it's amazing like um how when you do all that um, what's it called the due diligence like you said it, it brings so much of i guess you could say life to these communities or these plots of land that can have a lot more what they have currently at that moment so right right Um, yeah it is it's a really cool part yeah so wow i I think basically when i wanted to get into like analyzing land so yeah thank you very much for sharing your insight on your work and um basically your art that you do at work (laughs) it's honestly amazing i i I do appreciate what you guys do there and thank you for being on the podcast again um yeah no problem i don't know if you have any comments or um or anything else you would like to share Um, I don't think so. I think, again, I mean, you don't, (laughs) you don't have to put this in if you don't want. (laughs) Um, But I think too, uh, what I will say, and again, I I appreciate Lenar and everything that I'm looking or everything that I'm learning. And I've not even been there a year yet. But I do think like what you were saying, there's a housing shortage. And I think what the cool new thing should be (laughs) is trying to figure out how we still build enough homes, but, and actually make them affordable, right? Like uh, the hard part with Lennar being a corporation is 
we have not a quota, but a standard, right, of, of what profit margins need to be, right, for every community that we build. And while that makes total sense, because that's how you determine success of a project, uh, it does make me often wonder, you know, we just keep up with what everyone's selling things at, right? Like, I can't say that our product is affordable because it's not. But I think that's kind of going to be the I don't know, the the next step for production home builders, I would hope is, you know, what what kind of pull do they have to not just keeping up with each other and, and, and really trying to capture as much profit as possible, which again, I know that that's what businesses have to do. But as you and I both know, people our age are struggling buying homes because they're just too expensive. So yeah, I think that's hopefully the next frontier of home building is, you know, how do we create a product that still is good Obviously, maybe not as good as as something that is for those higher income individuals, but still a quality product and actually make it affordable for people our age. So I'm hoping that that's going to come up here in the near future. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, (laughs) I I, I totally agree with you. And I don't know, like sometimes with all this printing money out and everything is going on, it it makes you feel like kind of worried because, you know, I feel like it's just like an infinity game within these. Right. you know, these corporations that are trying to keep up and stuff. Right. Beating the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Exactly. Just, when does it end? No, yeah, just it's just like and that. not that it needs to, but yeah. yeah, it's um, I think I don't know if it's gonna have to turn into a, a foundation type of thing where maybe like home builders band together and there's you know, maybe we're buying land collectively that we know we're not gonna make money on. I don't know. Like I don't know what it's gonna take to actually make houses affordable, but I'm hoping, you know, that a lot of people have done different things to try to figure out this problem. How do we make construction cheaper? You know what I mean? Like it really gets down to real estate has so many facets. It's like, well, the mortgage process is really difficult. How do we make that more simple? And construction is expensive. Like how do we combat how expensive construction is? And it's not just what do we sell the homes for, but you know what I mean? It's the different facets that you can also look at. So there's a company called Ivory Homes is a big home builder here in Utah. They're actually Utah's largest home builder, but they are local to Utah only. And they have this thing called the Ivory Prize every year, which is something they give they give out money to companies that are trying to figure out a way to make housing more affordable. And what's cool is it's not just construction companies, it is mortgage companies, it is tech companies, right? People trying to figure out on the tech side, like how do we help people raise their credit scores so they can buy a home? You know what I mean? Like all these different things that go into the housing shortage and why why it is an issue. And so that's something I encourage BYU-Idaho kids, especially to look into is the Ivory Prize. You can go on their website and they have like a list of all these different companies that are really trying to like make a difference. And I don't know, to me, I find it fascinating. So I hope other people do too. Yeah, I think in general, like it all depends when they want to like team up or just say like, not saying like it's enough, it's just like, hey, let's do something in general because I don't, it's not like I don't see like our generation or Gen Z's in general buying homes. Right. Just since like, you know, since families are shrinking and right. families are not having more kids. So these suburban areas are not going to be on demand anymore. Right. Everybody's going to move more into cities because, you know, it's more of like, you know, of a lifestyle of, you know, having basically 
you know, living closer to the city because there's more amenities and more features right. in general than that. It's just like how you would think of the senior living in that instance. Right. So there will be more apartments in that instance. And I feel that's why they're getting into more apartment complex in that instance because they realize that, hey, not many people are going to be buying these within the next time frame of having these large families anymore. But right. I think in general, it is like you still are going to see um, a lot more of a shift into that because right. it's, I think it's just bound to happen to have that more common. Yeah. Well, especially in the, if the way things are going right now keeps going, it's like you really have no other choice but to just rent <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So, but that's kind of, you know, that's the hard part, right? Because we talk about homeownership as, you know, the American dream, if you will. And, and it doesn't have to be, you know, the big house with the big yard. It could be, you know, a townhouse or a condo. I bought a condo in December and really had no money or business doing so, <laughs> but I tried. And it worked out and I was able to get, you know, the Federal Housing Administration financing and so on. But yeah, I think too, when people own their spaces, I think it creates kind of a bit more of a duty to the community and you feel a little bit more loyal to like trying to help raise up everything else in your community. You know what I mean? Like an, a, yeah. like there's a there's a pride in ownership. And I think that's why I hope it doesn't move everyone to the cities in apartments or, or move people to cities. I think that's great. But give them purchase options, right? Like, can I buy a condo in the city? Can I buy a townhouse in the city? Because I really do think when people own things, I, I, I even think there's a study about this like when you own something you tend to take care of it more right it's like it's yours and so you're gonna like take care of it versus renting you just feel like oh well I can go somewhere else and and maybe I don't care as much and it falls back when we talked I think last time like you know how you guys yeah. were having that issue with some of the residents that they didn't want those kind of developments of I guess you could say uh, apartments next to their homes because they would lose right that. so it just it's really difficult and I feel it like is. it's more of like helping them understand like yeah you're not going to lose value. You're actually going to increase in value. And I feel like right. those people are more, I mean, there's just of a different generation, you know, they're just totally, yeah. They don't realize uh, the pros that they will get from having that new development in their community in that instance. And definitely, I totally agree with you on that. Well, thank but you anyway. very much. I do appreciate the time and um, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Congratulations on purchasing your home. Um, hey, thanks. Appreciate awesome. it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's awesome. But yes, 